G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Pastor Jeff, I love learning. You help me understand the world in which we live, but then you start talking about the devil. Really? Dude, you need to come into the 21st century. Now, can I just say, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you can't pick and choose the parts of the Bible you want to accept and which ones you want to reject. When you do that, you set yourself up as the authority over the Bible. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, this is Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill, and we've come to the end of a big series, The Blessed Life. You can catch up on all the episodes in this series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff is finishing his message about what Jesus requires. And it comes down to this. Simply put, he requires us to love him more than anything else as he gave his all for us. Let's join Pastor Jeff as he finishes in John chapter 21. Now there's something else going on here. Not only is there a play on the Greek words of love, phileo and agapao, but there's also different words used for sheep. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And every time it's progressive. At first he says, feed my young sheep. Second time he says, feed my adolescent sheep. And third time he says, feed my old dear sheep. You know what he's saying to Peter? Peter, if you love me, you're going to teach new converts. You're going to teach those who are growing in their faith. And you're even going to teach the leaders of the great thing I've established here, God's kingdom on this earth. And that's exactly what Peter ends up doing. Now, here's the question that I have to ask everybody in the room. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? That's the vow you made. It's okay to come to Jesus as we first did, thinking we were going to get something from him and he could help us get what we wanted. That's how most of us come. Well, maybe there is God. Maybe Jesus exists. And maybe he can help me advance in my career. Maybe he can help get me greater finances. Maybe he can help me find the guy, the girl, the job. And that's okay at first. There's, a, there's an immaturity to it. It's okay at first. But you can't stay there, right? We said that a few weeks ago. You can't stay there because, first of all, that would be hypocrisy. How many of you would keep a friend if you knew that friend only liked you for what you could give them, not for who you are? There comes a time when you have to grow out of what can he give me that I want. Jesus is asking Peter, Peter, do you love me for what I can give you or do you love me for me? For Peter, 
He loved hanging around Jesus. He loved the miracles. Yeah, I'm part of the in crowd, man. I am part of Jesus' disciples. And he was all well and good until it cost him something. And then he denied he even knew them. So Jesus comes back and says, Peter, I need to know, and you need to know, Peter, if we're going to go forward, do you love me for what you think I can give you or do you love me for me? What's your answer? Do you know the answer? Do you love Jesus for Jesus? Remember what I asked you this past Easter? I said, until your heart has been melted by what Jesus has done for you, you can try all you want to love him, but you want. Until you recognize what he's already done and what he's already given, it'll be tough for you to love Jesus. But when you realize and your eyes are open to the reality that everything you've ever needed, he's already given, and that one day you'll be with him in eternity, and all sicknesses will be healed, and all pain will go away and dissipate, and all the deepest longings and the treasures of your heart will become a reality. Until you recognize that, your heart won't be melted. And until your heart is melted by what Jesus already did for you on the cross, you won't love him even if you want to. Jesus says, Peter, did you love me more than anything else? Now, why would Jesus ask him that right out of the starting gate? We'll look at verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. Now, did you hear that? By what death he would glorify God. Let me show you what's going on here with Jesus and Peter. This is a, an old robe. It's somewhat similar. It's not an exact replica, but it's kind of what they wore in the day. I've been thinking about getting one of these myself. I think I look kind of snazzy in it. And so, and I'll tell you what, it's comfortable. But they would have the fine linen underneath, which was kind of a light underwear. It was the Calvin Klein of their day, okay? And then they would get up every morning. They would sleep in the fine linen. And then they'd get up in the morning and they would put their robe. And depending on how wealthy you were, it depends on how thick and expensive the robe was. But everybody had a belt. And the belt would go around to kind of rein everything in. And then you would tie the knot. And this was called girding yourself. Okay? It means getting ready for the day. Once you've girded yourself, then you can go wherever you're going to go. Whatever plans you have, you fulfill those plans. Jesus says this to Peter. And remember, the Apostle Paul talks about the belt of truth, girding yourself with a belt of truth, that truth is the thing that reigns everything in. Now, here's what happens. Jesus says, Peter, right now, every morning, you get up, got your underwear, you put your robe on, and you get your belt, and you gird yourself, and you go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do. Peter, if you love me, those days are gone. Now, when you get up in the morning, I'm going to order your steps. And you're going to be going where I want you to go and doing the things I want you to do. And one day, Peter, because you've made the decision that I am the Lord and master of your life, there's some other people that are going to come and get you. And they're going to dress you in a robe that is not yours and you're not going to like it. And they're going to gird you and they're going to lead you to go someplace that you don't want to go. That's why I need to know if you love me more than anything else, because Peter, you're going to die. He says, you're going to stretch out your hands. And in extra biblical literature, that means crucifixion. He says, Peter, you're going to be crucified. And in your crucifixion, you're going to glorify me by your death. And in AD 65, when Nero blamed the fires of Rome on the Christians, Nero found Peter, brought him, arrested him, 
crucified him. And Peter requested that he be crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. Now, I want you to think about what Jesus does with Peter here in that interchange. He's just told Peter, one day you're going to be crucified, you're going to die. And your death, I'm not going to stop because it's going to glorify me. And because of your death, Peter, the church is going to explode with growth because they're going to see your faith commitment even to death. You know what the second question is, don't you? Do you love Jesus more than anything else? And are you willing to sacrifice everything for him? That's the vow you made. He gave you his all. He requires nothing less of you. You know, there's an old story told about a fourth century Asiatic monk who lived up in the mountains, loved the just peaceful atmosphere and environment, loved to be alone with God, lived most of his life there. This is actual historical uh, character. And Telemachus is his name. And when he's older in life, uh, he senses that God is calling him to leave his place in the mountains and go down into the city, but he doesn't know why. So he doesn't go, but he keeps hearing the voice of the Lord. I want you to go down into the city and I'll show you what you must do. Finally, packs a bag and decides this is from God. So he goes down into the city. As he reaches the city center, there is a large crowd moving into the gladiatorial arena and he gets kind of shoved and pushed in there. And because he's lived in the mountains most of his life, he's never seen the gladiators. And he sees the gladiatorial arena and he sees the blood, the guts, and the gore. And what he does, it's so offensive to him. He hasn't been desensitized by this at all. So it's, it's vulgar to him. So in his chair in the Colosseum, he stands up and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop this thing. And everybody kind of looks at him and laughs at him. And he, he says again, in the name of Jesus Christ, forbear. And he gets out of his place and he runs down onto the dirt of the gladiatorial arena. And he says again, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop this horrific thing. And the crowd starts to chant, run him through, run him through. And the soldier takes his spear and runs it through the abdomen of Telemachus. And he goes down onto one knee and just before he dies, one last time he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, stop this horrible thing. And the historian Lecky tells us that there were many other things brought to bear, but after Telemachus, there was never another fight of the gladiators in the gladiatorial arena. That God had prepared him in the mountains to use him down in the city, and his sole purpose was to stop the blood and the guts and the gore and the murder of the gladiators. What is it in your life that is off limits to God? That if he asked you to give it up, you would not do it. Whatever it is, that is your real savior. That's your real God. And because that one thing is your real God, it controls your emotions. If money is your God, then your depression is going to be based on how much you have in the bank. Your emotions will determine if money's your God. If having a husband or a wife and relationships, if that's your savior, then if your relationships aren't going well, your emotions will fluctuate. What if God called some of you to be single all your life 
would you still serve him? What if I called some of you to be barren, never to have children? Would you still serve him? You see what I'm getting at here? Upon what is your faith in Jesus contingent? Where if he didn't give you that, you would walk away. That is your real God, not God. Jesus looks into the eyes of Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me more than anything else? Yes, Lord, I do. Good. That's great to hear because you're going to give your life for me. You're going to give the ultimate for me. Everybody in the room, you have to ask, where are you with Jesus in this? Because there's some, some of you, there's something you don't have that you keep going to God for and he's not delivering. So you automatically interpret that as his abandonment. When in reality, it might be that it is not his plan for you to have this. You say, what kind of a God does that? Well, the same God that told the apostle Paul, when the apostle Paul said, please heal me of this infirmity, told him, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What was he saying? God said, I'm not going to give this to you because you think if you have it, it's going to save you. And it won't. I'm your savior. But as long as you don't have it, you'll keep coming to me. And over time, I'll teach you that it's not what will save you. I'm the one that will meet the deepest needs of your heart. What is it in your life that God is asking you to give up? A long time ago. But it's too precious and too dear to you. And so it stifles the work of God in your life. The vow you made is that you would love Jesus more than anything else to the degree that whatever he asked you to give up for his sake, you would. And if there's something he refused to give you, after a while, you would recognize that it is the will of God that you live in the situation that you're in for now. And it is possible to be in the worst place of your life and be in the center of the will of God. That's what the cross shows everybody. There's a third thing. The Bible says, and when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. This is Jesus to Peter. And then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, do you see how Jesus closes us out with Peter? He says, Peter, do you love me more than anything else? Yes, Lord, I love you. You are my savior. And if I only have you, that's all I need. Jesus says, perfect, you're gonna die for me. Can you imagine that? Jesus sitting across the table, what a, what a horrible recruitment speech, right? Come work for me and you will die. <laughs> Peter says, okay. And then he starts thinking about what Jesus just said. Jesus then, according to the original language, it's like Jesus does this. Peter, Peter, follow me. And Jesus starts to walk. But Peter doesn't follow. He can't obey Jesus for 10 seconds. And instead of following Jesus, the Bible says he turns around and looks at John. You know, the one who Jesus loved, he's still milking that. He says, the one who, he turned around and said to the one who Jesus loved, you know, the guy who laid on his breast at the Lord's Supper. Man, he's using that all through the book of John. And he says that Peter said to him, what about this guy? You see what he's saying? If I got to die, so does John. Isn't that amazing? And what was Jesus' response? That's none of your business. You worry about you, I'll worry about John. 
And the reason he does that is because God doesn't require everybody to give their lives. But there will be some. And Jesus says, Peter, you worry about what I require of you. And don't go around saying, well, it's not fair. God requires more of me. God, God allows me to suffer more than my friend. Hey, you worry about you. And God will worry about everybody else. You just follow him wherever he leads. And that's the third question. Will you follow Jesus wherever he leads you? Now, stay with me. In the past, we hear that question. Here's what we think. Oh, yeah, I'll go to China. I'll go to Africa. I'll go wherever he leads. That's not what this is about, folks. This is about this. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 that reads this way. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You want a tweet for the night? There's a good tweet. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What's he saying? How did Jesus live? Stay with me now. As a suffering servant. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to live like he did. As a suffering servant. That means that if you're suffering or you're giving up of something or you denying yourself something or you not getting something that you think is rightfully yours, that if it doesn't come your way, you're going to see that as the will of God and he's going to use that somehow for his grand design and purpose. Folks, you say, that is the wackiest theology I've ever heard. Hold it. That is the center of the cross. Jesus suffers, and it's the greatest thing that ever happened to mankind. I'm saying to you that the loss of something, the refusal to gain something, the giving up of something, if it's used for Christ for his purposes, is the greatest privilege. Not only in suffering, but he was a suffering servant. What does that mean? Jesus gave up all his rights associated with being deity, he gave up his rights and died at the hands of the creation. If he can do that, then you and I can give up those things we think we're entitled to or we deserve if it means that it is the will and the plan of God for his purposes to come to fruition in our lives. You had no idea you made that vow when you came to the cross, did you? <laughs> Most of us didn't. But when you came to the cross, you gave it all. Not only your sin, you gave your life. The Bible's clear. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. It is not all about you. It is about God and what he wants to do in your life. And the question Jesus asked every single one of us is a simple one. Do you really love me more than anything else? You will if your heart has been touched and melted by the reality that no matter what you lose in this life, it will be replaced to an infinitely greater degree. How many times have you heard me say that over the last six weeks? And if you love me more than anything else, you're willing to sacrifice anything I ask you to sacrifice. And you will follow me wherever I lead you, no matter how tough and difficult the terrain, you'll trust me. I did the funeral this past Wednesday of one of our elders' wives, Nancy Walker. 62 years old. She got cancer. She died within weeks. It was so fast. I visited her one of the first days she was in the hospital. And I thought I would have plenty of time to visit her again. And I came back from my trip a couple of weeks ago. And I heard she's not doing well. I went to the hospital this past Monday. Last Monday. 
And they told me she, it was a matter of hours. She died. She was gone like that, 62 years old, gone. You know what a saint is? A saint is not somebody that's perfect. No such person exists. Let me help you understand who a saint and what a saint is. A saint is a lady who's dying of cancer, who knows she's dying, and she's only contracted this disease a few weeks before, and she knows she's got hours left, and she raises up in her hospital bed to say these words to her children. God is good. That is a saint. Amen. God is good. You're dying of cancer. You've got days, hours to live, and you raise up, and the one thing you want to say to your family is that God is good. You can only say that in the midst of something like that if you know what's on the other side. And you don't have to have an exhaustive understanding of why this has happened. You just have to love Jesus more than anything else, be willing to sacrifice everything for him, and follow wherever he leads. That's a saint. So where are you? Where are you? Do you love him for the sake of him or for what he can give you? You say, I don't know, Pastor Jeff. Well, here's how you know. You have a, a yearning desire to know him more and more every day. And if that's your desire, you're on the right path. Are you willing to sacrifice everything for him? I don't know, Pastor Jeff. I don't know. There's something he's asked you to give up that you know should not be in your life. And you're trying your best to do so. You're on the right path. Or there's something you don't have in your life and you just think you're entitled to it. You think, I deserve this and God should help me. But he hasn't. But you still love him. And you still trust him. You're on the right path. Will you follow him wherever he leads? I don't know, Pastor Jeff. How do I know? Here's how you know. You're willing to suffer with a peace that passes all understanding. You're willing to use your suffering for the glory of God so that when people see how you respond in those times, the kingdom of God will be expanded and you will be like Nancy and you will raise up and say, in the midst of the most difficult times, God is good. If you can do that, you've kept your vow. You've kept it. And I believe God is well pleased Father, I thank you for the power of John 21. I thank you that our eyes have been opened to a vow that we made a long time ago and a vow of which Peter was reminded. Father, we thank you for a life so well lived that hears the challenge of Jesus and goes on to live his life and ultimately make the ultimate sacrifice. And because of his sacrifice, we read in history that the church continued to be planted by the word of the apostles and watered plentiful with the blood of the saints. And because of the apostles willing to give so much of their lives, all of their lives to you, that there was a world around them that could not help but to stand up and take notice of people who loved Jesus more than anything else, who were willing to sacrifice everything for him and were willing to follow him wherever he led and to have a peace in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. Father, we are grateful that you reminded us this weekend of our vow. And we pray right now that where we are lacking, 
we would renew our vow before you and trust you in all things is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.